You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. should have known that it would be, you know, WCC way of life that we would start off with like 10 people here together and then look around and it's like, okay, now we're starting to, to see everybody. So good morning, y'all. Y'all doing all right? Yeah? Doing okay? Good to see you all this morning. So we're going we're gonna to carry forward here. So over the, next, um, over the next few weeks, this is going to be our last two weeks in this service, in this, um, in this series called Restoring Our Common Life. We've attempted to reframe what the Bible talks about with fellowship being the koinonia, which we talked about a lot here, and what koinonia means is a common life. When God invites us into life with God, we participate in the life of a God who is three in one, a Trinitarian God, and we participate then in a life of community. We are invited into the fellowship of God and then the fellowship of the saints. That's the koinonia. It's a common life that we learn to share in. And it's a common life that requires a lot of us. It requires submission. It requires hospitality. It requires grace. It requires mercy. It requires compassion. It requires, though, our presence. It requires our attention. But I want to talk today, and I want to start wrapping this up, with that it requires hope. But, it, but in order to live into the kind of hope that we're invited into, we have to be in life together. We can't be Sunday-only participants. We can't be, whenever it's convenient, participants. If we are going to hold on to the hope that comes to us through the common life. Now, here's what I don't want to see happen I don't want to see anybody feeling guilty today as we talk about this. If you start reflecting and you're like, man, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm falling into a rhythm. I've fallen into a pattern. I've fallen into a trap where I'm not fully present or I'm just doing Sundays and that's all I'm doing and I'm not giving of my resources. I'm not giving of my time. I'm not actively engaging in, I don't know, the Theology Thursdays or small groups, mission communities or some other thing that we've got going on, which is a lot of opportunities to kind of take next steps in the common life. What I don't want you to do is feel guilty about that. So say no guilt. But if you feel conviction, that's okay. But there's a difference. So if you feel a sense of conviction, if you feel a sense of pressing, then do something with that, right? Like discern that. Ask, what is it that I may need to let go of? What is it that I may need to reframe in my life in order to form more fully into this life of hope that comes in Christ, but that requires the presence of one another? So that's what we're going to talk about. After this series... We're going to get into something called headline living. Now, Hoyt Davenport, who's a part of this church family, helped me come up with this. It was actually his idea, so I shouldn't say he helped me come up with this. I was expressing to him how about every two years, I'll do a series just on the life and teachings of Jesus. And that was supposed to be last year, but the pandemic threw that all off. So it's been essentially three years since I've actually had a chance to gather with us and we talk about the life of Jesus. In that time, we've grown. So let me give you some quick data because I want you to see why we're going to have to talk about this today and why going into the next series makes sense for us. There are 394 bodies who are members of this church. We have 394 members of this church family. We have 160 family units. Now, those 394 members and 160 family units do not count all the beloved college students that are still in the process of discerning what God is doing. Yes, you count. You all count. But in terms of you know, knowing who the bodies are. 
Now, the students who join us in the connections ministry, um, we, we tend to them, we tend to students in a different way. We're going to be full in with you. So make sure that you understand that if, if we only see you on Sundays because of the way life works for you, and many of you have campus ministries where you're involved in the small groups and other things, we are here for you. You are a part of this family. So that doesn't change. We don't drop by numbers here. I'm trying to give all of us a perspective as to who we are kind of numerically because I think it's pretty obvious who we are kind of culturally uh, and the diversity of who we are socioeconomically, ethnically, racially, all the different things that make up who we are. Um, but it's important to know that there's more than what we see. And that's ultimately what I'm trying to say. There's more than what we see if the only time we look is on a Sunday. So... I realize that it's been a minute since, and some of you haven't ever really heard us talk about Jesus, so in a sense, you don't even know kind of what our theology of Jesus is. Now, not to freak anybody out, Jesus is Lord, died for our sins, all that. So that's not changing, but like how we understand this friend of sinners, this one who went to the margins to love the least, the last, left out, and lonely. That's been a big part of who we are in terms of cultivating the spirit of compassion and hospitality that we have. So we're going to talk about that with Headline Living. And we're going to do it playfully. So I don't want to hear anything from anybody. But we're going to do it playfully because headlines are jacked up, right? Like, you know, you get a headline and it's like this hyper, like almost like hyperbole. The headline is clickbait, right? And so it says something and you're like, oh, and then you click it and you're like, what? And so we're going to do that. We're going to look at, we're going to look at scriptures and we're going to find a headline from the Galilean newspaper. Right? And we're going to see what society was thinking about what Jesus was doing, and then we're going to see what Jesus was really doing. So we're going to have a little fun with this, but I'm also wanting to tweak our mind to say that we need to know the context of stories rather than the clickbaits and the sound bites. So that's going to be the next several weeks. I'm really looking forward to that because I love, I know this like, sounds so like, cheesy and cliche, but I love talking about Jesus. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. But... Right now, today, what I want to do is look at Thessalonians. So, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Here's the thing, y'all. If we're to walk together in this common life that God has for us as a church family, then there's going to have to be something that keeps us moving forward when things get difficult. Right? When numbers escalate in a pandemic or when we have to wear masks or when we find ourselves kind of scattered away from one another or just when we hear the stories of men, women, and children being bombed by a U.S. drone by mistake, and when we hear stories of hurricanes and floods or wildfires raging all around us, or when we experience the stories of various forms of discrimination or addiction or disease or of unexplainable suffering or other tragic situations that hit us personally, when we find ourselves not working out the finances like we wished we could or our time constraints like we wished we could or our relationship or social life as we wish we could, we have to remember our hope. Everybody say hope. We have to remember our hope. We have to remember that when these things happen, that we need to be mindful of what God has promised and that the promise God has made has concrete, tangible implications. It's not just a way of thinking. It's a way of thinking that leads to a different way of doing because it's led to a different way of being in the world, right? So it's a way of thinking that leads to a way of being that leads to a way of doing. And that's rooted in what God has said is true about life, even in light of what we see. Paul knows this is true. 
The church in Thessaloniki is having its own struggles. It's a beautiful church, this church in Thessaloniki. They're doing great work. Matter of fact, if you read the letter, Paul's like, y'all are doing great, do more. Paul's like never satisfied, right? Like, you're doing wonderful, do more, abound more, love harder, give more graciously and generously, be more compassionate, be more faithful, remember that. And then he, then he acknowledges what's going on. He's like, but I also recognize that a lot of y'all are dying. See, that's what's going on in Thessalonians. A lot of y'all are dying. Like, sickness is hitting, this world that we live in is breaking through the life of the church, yet you're still holding on. And you're looking around and you're wondering why bad things happen to good people. Like how the world is running off the rails, but how we're trying to be faithful, God, but yet we're being persecuted and some of us are dying. And so Paul writes them, 1 Thessalonians 5, that's where we're going to pick up, verse 1. <clears throat> he says, about the times and seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Now, two things really quickly, a nerd moment. All right, in the Hebrew Scriptures, day of the Lord doesn't mean the return of God. The day of the Lord in the Hebrew Scriptures means a moment in time where God's going to show up in a profound way and make right what has been made wrong. Are you all with me? That's the Hebrew narrative. Now, the Christian version of that, now remember, Paul's a Jew who's a Christian, he's a faithful leader and teacher of the law. So when he says day of the Lord, there's a better chance that Paul is not talking about just the return of Jesus, that he's talking about a moment that may include the return of Jesus where God's going to come in power and glory and make right what has been made wrong. So there's two ways to look at this. You can interpret this as the, quote, second coming, where Jesus returns in bodily form to raise the dead to life and make all things right once and for all. Our Paul's just saying there's going to be a time where God shows himself strong and makes right what's made wrong. The point is not so much which one is it, but that it comes unexpectedly, like a thief in the night. Like when we least expect it. But we know it's coming. Say, I know it's coming. Like God will get justice. I know it's coming. I don't know when. I know it's coming. And I know it's coming. And I know it's coming unexpectedly. You with me? All right. So it says like a thief in the night. Now, this is interesting. Verse 3, when they say peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them like labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. In other words, society's going to think things are okay. People are going to cry peace, peace, where there is no peace. People are going to say, no, it's not that bad. People are going to say, you know, casualties of war are just a casualty of war. Never mind, he was just getting water for his home. People are going to say, oh, hurricanes come and displace people. Fires rage and burn things down. That's just the, the way things work in our world. It's not climate change. It has nothing to do with the environment. It just has to do with the way things work. People are going to say, oh, injustice and discrimination, it happens. It's always happened. Somebody's got to be on top. We're going to cry peace and security. We're going to think things are okay. Or we're going to think things should be just what they should be because that's how things just are. So Paul's saying, look, people are going to think this way. You, you are not to think that way. Look what he says, verse 4. But you, brothers and sisters, you're not in the dark. You know what's up. You know the day that's going to come like a thief. You know God is going to show up. You know something big is going to happen. You know Jesus is coming, and you know something big is going to happen. 
You know that things aren't lost on God. You, verse 5, you are children of light and children of day. You aren't to walk around blind, stumbling around in the darkness, thinking things are okay, or digging your head in the sand and acting like things are okay, or living in a life of denial where we just are so wearied by the things that are happening in the world that we just don't want to talk about it anymore. We just want to click it off and clear our head and remove ourselves from the suffering of the world. He said, you can't do that. You're children of the day. You know what's going on in the world. And you have to be in it. You have to be royal priesthood. You have to be a, com a community of prophetic witnesses and professional lovers in society where fear and hatred and violence exist. That's who we are. We are the people of God who at the end of the day are death proof. Because we have life with God now and forever. And he's saying that's who you are. You are children of the day, and you are children of light. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. Verse 6, so then let us not sleep like the rest, but let us stay awake and be self-controlled. So everybody say, stay awake. Let us stay awake. We're going to get tired, and we're going to want to fall asleep. We're going to want to check out. We're going to want to turn it off. We're going to want to not have the hard conversations because I'm wearied of the conversations. We're going to want to act like everything's okay. We're going to want to ditch the mask. We're going to want to forget it. All is going on. You, beloved, he says, you have to stay awake. And then he says, and be self-controlled. In other words, you can resist the impulse to outrage. You can resist the impulse to lambash. You can resist the impulse to condemn. You can resist the impulse to fight the other. You can resist that. You can resist the impulse to just give up. You can do that because you're children of the day. You're children of the light. Now, I appreciate this pep talk from Paul, but I'm still tired. Right? So Paul keeps going. And he's making contrast. He says, for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, verse 8, let us be self-controlled and put on the armor of faith and love. Everybody say, put on. Put on. We got to put it on. Which means we got we to gotta get dressed. In a pandemic, that's challenging. We got to get dressed. We got to put it on. So there's a choice we have to make. We have to decide to do something. Everybody say, do something. We got to get our baptismal clothes on. We got to put on faith and love. And we got to put on the helmet. In the Greek, it's translated fedora. The helmet of the hope of salvation. We've got to put on the helmet of the hope of salvation. Faith, love, hope. Does that sound familiar in Paul's words? It's something we put on. And you know what's really hard to put that on? It's when your arms are really tired and you just can't. I've been a pastor now for 20, going on 21 years. It'll be 11 years in this church come October. In 21 years of pastoral work, I have sat with many a sick people. 
There have been times where these beloved brothers and sisters needed someone to help them get dressed because their arms were too weak. Their legs were too weak. Their back was too weak. Disease had eaten up their bodies and somebody had to help them put on their clothes. And I wonder if that's close to the image that Paul's trying to paint for us. Because he knows that the Christians in Thessaloniki are tired. Listen to what he says. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together through him. Therefore, encourage one another. Therefore, therefore, what is it therefore? What have you been saying all this for, Paul? I want you to know that the only way you're going to really do this is if you have each other. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, as you're already doing. Like, I feel like Paul's saying, the only way you're really going to live into this life is if you don't do it alone. Like, the only way on some days, on some days, on some days, not all days, on some days, the only way I'm going to have hope is if I piggyback yours. Like, sometimes the only way that I'm going to be able to put on the helmet of hope The only way I'm going to be able to put on love when I am raging inside is if somebody helps me get dressed. We need each other. And we don't get that one day a week. The music's great. Sermons are, you know, mediocre. The gathering, we may have a room full like last week. We may have a two-quarter room full like this week. One day a week, church life isn't gonna, isn't gonna do it, because I'm struggling on a Tuesday. I'm struggling on a Thursday. I'm struggling Monday through Friday. Some days. Yeah, I'm struggling on a Sunday. Don't get me wrong. But what do we do on the other days of the week? The only time I'm involved in the life of the church is when I can come here. Then I might exercise my muscles a bit. I might find some healing. I might find some hope. I might find the anchor of my hope. I might remember these things. I might, I might feel better. But what happens when I get that news on a Tuesday? What happens on that Sunday that I just can't get out of bed? By the way, God knows that's okay. That's okay. What happens on those days I just can't get up? Beloved, it's not going to be the one day of the week that carries us. It's going to be the koinonia, the common life that carries us. It's going to be the fellowship that carries us. It's going to be the presence of God that is manifest in people in this place, outside of this place. That will carry us on some of those days. When I can't pay those bills and I just need a little help. When I need somebody to talk to but I don't know who to call because I'm afraid I'll be judged for what I have to say. When I need somebody just to help me get ready in the morning and get me out of bed. Encourage one another. 
encourage one another, and build each other up. When Paul wrote this other church in Ephesus a letter to encourage them in their own hope, Paul reminded them of a way of thinking of themselves, a way to think of the church. To think of the church beyond the body of Christ imagery, to think of the church beyond community imagery, certainly to think of the church beyond a gathered people imagery. He gave them a different imagination. Everybody say imagination. He gave them a, want a different imagination for the church. So he said this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18. Through Jesus, we have access in one spirit to the Father, so then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. Everybody say, I am a member of God's household. Here's the thing. You are universally a member of God's household. But if you identify with this church family, you are locally a member of God's household, and we need everybody to get out of their rooms sometimes. See, the fact is, sometimes we just want to stay in our rooms. We want to come out when it's convenient. We want to come out when it's easy. But we need you to come out. We need everybody at the table. Because you might be the answer to somebody's prayers. You might be the person that God speaks to and through for the good of your brother and sister sitting at the table with you. You might be the one person the Holy Spirit puts on someone else's heart to give a word to, or maybe to invite in for some help. I encourage you today to remember that if we're to hold on to hope, if we're to be a people who refuse to deny what is, and instead, affirm, name, call what is, what it is, and then reinterpret it in light of the promises of God, then we are going to need to remember how to do that sometimes. I think over the last two weeks, I have learned this in a different way with Collins. As Collins is laying in a hospital bed at Riverside with his body being ravaged by cancer, we're living in a moment in time where he can only get one visitor a day. And by one visitor, I mean only one all day. And I find myself in this weird position just as a brother and as a friend because I met Collins when he was on the street, as you all know. We met Collins when he was coming out of the street. And we walked with Collins and loved Collins and spent hours with Collins and watched God work in Collins to where Collins then stepped into the kingdom of God through baptism in Christ. And then we saw Collins come every single Sunday without fail. And we saw Collins do more than just come on a Sunday. We, we saw Collins ask how he can serve and lead in the church. Many of you... I don't know if, if any of you, but raise your hand if Collins ever picked you up on a Sunday, any of the William & Mary students. Okay, so it, it's been a minute. Yeah. Collins would pick up students on Sundays. Collins would serve in the 3E Restoration ministry in this church as he worked for 3E Restoration Incorporated. Collins gave his life away 
to serving people on the margins because he knew God met him there. And as he sits there in his hospital bed, and I can't see him and you can't see him because we only get one visitor a day because of COVID and because hospitals are being overran with COVID positive rates. I'm learning something about hope with Collins. Collins has reminded me and many of you who have taught to him that he really is at peace. He may be disoriented with the pain medication at times, but he is at peace with this incurable cancer. And I think I was reminded of the hope that Colin has most poignantly when we were waiting at the ER to have him checked in to the hospital for pain management. And they told us we probably should wait outside because the ER had been overrun with COVID. So Collins was in his chair, his wheelchair, and we were sitting outside. And he casually says, hey, Fred, hand me my Bible. So I handed him his Bible. I said, you going to read a little scripture, bro? He said, yeah, I just haven't read my psalm for the day. I thought to myself, see, that's, that's how you hold on to hope. You let God speak to you every day. And you don't do it alone. There have been times where Collins couldn't get his shirt on. There are times where Collins couldn't get into the chair. Collins couldn't get around. He's needed me or you or someone else. So as I've been thinking about this message, I think to myself, Collins is really kind of the, the teacher. He's kind of the, the lived example of this message, of what Paul's trying to say in Thessalonians, that when things get hard and the darkness tries to cloud your eyes, to remember that you're children of the day, that you're promised the hope of God in Christ, that Christ is present now and forever. If Christ is present now, Christ will be present forever. If you're present with Christ now, you'll be present with Christ ever. And that we have to remember the presence of Christ. And sometimes it takes one another to remember that. And the irony of this whole message for me today is that it hasn't been me who's reminded Collins of his hope. It's been Collins who's reminded me of mine. Glenn, maybe that's what I had to say today, bro. We are a people of hope. And we need each other some days more than others to remember the hope we have. We can't do that if the only time we see each other, speak to each other, or are with each other is one day a week. Church is more than that.
I know the pandemic has disrupted rhythms. I know the pandemic has disrupted even some of the rhythms of our common life. Small groups, missional communities, Theology Thursdays, ways to get involved in the purposes and mission of God, care teams, compassion ministries, being a voice of a witness of the reign of God in the moments of injustice, whatever it is. It's going to require all of us, and it's going to require all of us more than one day a week to be faithful. If you're part of this church, step into the common life beyond a day a week. To the college students. To the college students. Look, some of y'all are here for another year. Some of you are here for two more years. Some of you are here for three, four. I don't know. Do not be afraid to root yourself in the life of a local church. If it's here, beautiful. If it's not, it's fine too. Root in. Do more than a Sunday gathering if you can. Get to know other people too. Don't think about the fact that you're going to be gone every 14 to 16 weeks for a few weeks or whatever the rhythms are. I don't know, but don't think about it that way because today you're here, right? Today, right now you're here. And tomorrow you may have a prayer. Tomorrow you may have a need. Tomorrow you may be the answer to someone else's prayer. So root in, right where you are, not where you think you should be, and let God grow something beautiful in the common life that you participate in. To the online brothers and sisters who are still catching us, if you are at a place where you're not comfortable to come in person, completely understandable. Please do not settle for online rhythms. Please do not settle for the common life through a screen. Find a way to be connected to people beyond just one day a week in a gathering. If you're still at a point where getting on the other side of the screen is uncomfortable, fine, then, then get involved in Theology Thursday. Get involved in the Peacemakers Bible study that's going to happen. Get involved in other ways that open up space for you to share in the common life of other people too. If we, if you are a part of this church, if we are in this together, then let's be in this together. Because we don't know what will come. But we can know who we will be when it does come. Let's be that people. If I can help you or the elders can help you or the staff can help you find a way of getting deeper into the life of the common life of the church, the good news for you is over the next couple of weeks, we're going to have practical ways for you to step into the next steps. If you have time constraints, whatever your constraints are, then I encourage you, take the time. You're not going to find it. You're not going to find it. Make the time and discern what it would look like for you to take one small step into the common life beyond where you're standing right now. Does that make sense? Just one small step. One small step forward into the common life beyond where you stand right now. And let's be the people of God. Let's be who God called us to be.
because we need each other, especially when we need to remember our hope. You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast.